and welcome to this holiday episode of Heart of Medicine. Today, we're discussing whether doctors can ever really be or should be out of office. Now with the holidays coming, all of us are looking forward to some rest and relaxation, taking time off and spending the holidays with our families. Yet when it comes to being a doctor, it's a 24 seven job. Medical emergencies, as you know, do not follow working schedules or respect holidays like Thanksgiving or Christmas. So where does this leave us? And how can a doctor ever really be out of office? And the bigger question perhaps is should they ever really be out of office? Or does the profession have a higher calling that requires this type of constant dedication? We talk about burnout in medicine being so high. So is this one of the reasons that we're constantly sacrificing time away from our families, time off for ourselves, and that's the reason we have such a high rate of burnout? That's the topic for today's Heart of Medicine episode. I'm your host, Dr. Pio Coley, and I want to welcome my guest, Dr. Omid Tazeri, who's a vascular surgeon in Denver, Colorado, to discuss this topic. Hey, Omid. Hi, um, thank you for having me. This is a very important topic um, as we move into the holiday season and uh, consider where do we draw these lines um, with regards to patient care and their chronic conditions, as well as keeping ourselves healthy and making sure that we're available and uh, we're responsible to our patients. So uh, yeah, I think this is very important. Let's talk about it. Great. Well, first I want to ask you, what are you doing for the holidays? Are you working or are you taking some time off with the family? Well, I, I happen to be lucky to be taking some time off for the family, but you know, these are challenges that we have to really take on while we're off. We're really, as you know, not off because patients' diseases don't take time off and their chronic conditions right. don't take time off. You know, there's advancements like telemedicine that allows us uh, in convenient ways to touch base with our patients, to be engaged. It's sometimes really hard to establish, you know, boundaries and prioritize self-care while at the same time respecting uh, the challenges that our patients have even during the holidays. Well, you know, I have family coming in town. I have uh, my nephew who's six years old and my niece who's two years old and my brother and my sister-in-law. And he really more than anything because I don't get to see them so much, want to spend some time with them. But my challenge, as you pointed out, is just that, you know, even though I'm physically away from the office, I mentally, first of all, I don't want to be away. And second of all, I I can't be away because patients are going to need refills. Patients call with hypertensive urgency or high blood pressure leading to headaches or blurry vision or chest pain or what have you. So for me, I don't think I can ever really mentally be out of office even if I'm physically not at work, not seeing my patients, because I'm constantly checking their charts and constantly logging in. I mean, do you think that's the right way for us to think about medicine when it comes to our patients? Or do you think we should have better systems for coverage and having colleagues cover us so that we really can take some of that time off? I think first and foremost, the nature of medicine is unpredictable, as you mentioned in the beginning. Health emergencies and these things don't follow a nine to five schedule. And in some ways, as physicians and healthcare providers, it is our duty to be there for our patients, regardless of the hour, right? It's not a job, it's a calling. And that's why we went into medicine. Did you know about this calling when you went into medicine? Do you think that you knew? I had an insight to it. You know, my father was a surgeon. And uh, so being available was something that I grew up with. Now, that being said, I can tell you the 
the phone calls in the middle of the night, even for my dad, would get angrier and angrier as the, you know, as he had really lost this healthy work-life balance. But at the same time, he was always available. So in some ways, yes, but in some ways, no, because until you're in it and until you're dealing right. with it, um, yeah. it's, it's really hard to understand the chronic fatigue, the sleep deprivation, and, and this increased stress um, that we as physicians go through to be available for our patients. And it's really, I think it is important that we're available for our patients because that doctor-patient relationship, it's vital for patients' compliance and their mental well-being. Again, it's a calling, and I don't know if there's a right answer, but certainly maybe we can look into, like I said, telemedicine or maybe even artificial intelligence and other advancements in medicine that can help us limit this blurring of lines between the work and personal space. You know, I want to highlight something you said, which is the work-life balance as a physician. And I actually think that that's a misnomer because I think for physicians, and I'm curious to hear what your reaction is, that there there is no work-life balance because by the very nature of our job, unless you know we're a pathologist or radiologist or emergency room doctor who works in shifts, for physicians who are working the inpatient, outpatient setting and have to be available to their patients, it's very difficult to have that balance. And 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 I kind of feel like we're sort of perpetually caught between our lives as people, as human beings, because we are physicians, but we're also people, but then also our lives as physicians, because, you know, as a physician, I completely agree with you. We have to be there for our patients, because if you're in the middle of a health emergency, you need an urgent refill, something's happened, you have to be able to get a hold of your doctor, no matter what time of day or night it is. But on the other hand, you know, is it fair to our families and should they should they try to understand if we're absentee or not available or, you know, always on the phone at family dinners or family events? And and is it fair to us to constantly sort of caught between these two worlds where we're, we're human beings, we're parents and siblings and aunts and, and uncles, and, and yet we're physicians. And so we never can be fully present with our family, even, you know, when we're physically present. I think you're right. I mean, this world of on-call schedules is really presents a unique set of challenges that really can impact, I think, the health of physicians. And as you said, that your family, these, uh, it may limit the personal time. It may make it challenging for physicians to really engage in, you know, essential self-care and activities that maintain a healthy work and, and a family life balance. I do think that we do have to emphasize the importance of implementing certain strategies in our own lives to mitigate the impact of on-call responsibilities, including support systems, making sure you get adequate rest, uh, uh, regular opportunities for exercise and relaxation and recreation. All of these things will help promote long-term health and resilience of physicians, and that way, you can maybe even set an example for others and, and your patients that despite the unpredictable nature of emergencies that requires your attention and it requires you to be available outside of work hours, this is not going to lead to too much stress. I can't say it doesn't lead to stress because it certainly does, but you know, hopefully these other strategies will help you mitigate the stress. I like what you said about you know, making a, a almost a plan to counteract the stress because to what we said earlier, we can't, you know, abandon our patients just because it's it's after hours, middle of the night or a holiday. 
But at the same time, if we keep doing that year after year after year without having some sort of a antidote to that burnout, it, what you said about your dad really resonates with me, where we start to become people who become angrier, more negative, have more of those emotions that manifest themselves, not just in the care of our patients, but also in how we conduct ourselves with our friends and our family members. And so I do hope that we as a profession start to recognize that you know this type of constant toll on a human being to be on call every fourth night or twice a week or you know two weekends a month or whatever the call schedule ends up looking like can over the course of a career really be a, you know a high level of sort of burnout and we have to be very active and rest exercise all of those types of things are good strategies you know to try to mitigate it how do you think we can navigate these types of situations with our family members i just remember when I was in training and I used to be on call a lot of times, if I was going out with friends who were not physicians or seeing somebody, a significant other, it was very difficult for them to really understand and appreciate, I think, this pull that we have towards our patients day and night, no matter what the special occasion was, no matter what the circumstances were. And yet for us as physicians, it seems almost natural. Yeah, I think there's um, there's a couple of things that I would kind of look at. I, I feel that um, there's boundaries that we as physicians need to set for ourselves. And then there's, I think, guardrails that our institutions, people we work for, hospitals where we um, participate in treating patients and things like that, they're, they're guardrails that those institutions can set to help. And if you look at it from that standpoint, I think you can um, work backwards and understand that I can't just be on call every single night because I'm going to burn out. And then you will not have a physician who can take care of you because I will be gone. Or, you know, by the same token, um, institutions can make sure that you're, you know, as a solo practitioner, that you do have a backup, uh, that you do have other people who can help share in uh, decision making for your patients. And I get it. You know your patients best. I know my patients best. And and sometimes a small phone call can help guide people. But but if you look at it as setting our own boundaries and then having our institutions and employers set guardrails that can protect us when it comes to burnout, when it comes to emotional health, when it comes to all of that, I think you just have to work backwards that way. But But I'm with you all the time when I would go out with friends you know, I carry two phones. I have a work phone and I have a personal phone. And I can't tell you how many times I've lost both of them because uh, I've left one or the other behind somewhere. Luckily enough, I feel that our friends and family do understand this calling and do understand that oftentimes we may have to step away from the group. Not saying that it's okay, but I'm lucky that I do have... Um, friends and family who are understanding that understand these dynamics of um, how we have to contribute to the health of our patients. And it may be at 2 a.m. sometimes. I really think the idea of having boundaries and guardrails, I, I love those ideas in theory. But I think the implementation, Omid, I have to say, it feels like as a physician sometimes that nobody has our back. You know, we have our patients back. We're sacrificing our time off, our holidays, our rest, our mental health, our family, all of these things to make sure that our patients get covered. But when it comes to institutions, 
systematically saying, no, this is too much call burden for a specific physician or for the physician group in general, or we have to have systems in place where, you know, there are triage nurses or other people who can help so that there's fewer calls going to the physician. My personal experience has been that that's not the case. It's very easy for an institution or a large hospital or health system to say, yeah, physicians already on call. Why don't we have them cover all the outpatients as well as the hospitals that they're covering? Because then they have less overhead. They have less expenses. They have to worry less about paying another person to cover. So I do hope that these types of conversations can try to raise some of that awareness where people really have to advocate. Because I don't think unless you ask for it or unless you sort of express your level of burnout or mental fatigue or emotional fatigue that institutions are readily going to reach out to you and say, hey, let's put in, you know, systems in place to try to protect you as a physician and protect your time off and what have you. Yeah, I think, you know, you you hit the nail on the head. A lot of healthcare institutions face financial pressures and operational challenges that right. leads to resource constraints that really impacts mm-hmm. the support that we feel is available to us our, as physicians, right? This can manifest as inadequate staffing, limited access to professional development opportunities, you know, insufficient infrastructure, right? I also think that there's this hierarchical nature in healthcare institutions that creates this environment where sometimes as physicians, we feel undervalued or disempowered. These Mm -hmm. decision-making processes that don't really involve us who are frontline healthcare providers really contribute to this uh, disconnect that we feel when when we're asking for these guardrails, right? It does. So true. Cons- so true. Or, yeah, yeah it, it requires a concerted effort from the institutions to really prioritize well-being and streamline administrative processes, make sure there's open communication, make sure there's collaboration with their, like I said, their frontline physicians. You know, they do have to recognize that really without physicians, these institutions wouldn't really exist. I mean, I think that's really accurate because the physicians are really what's keeping the lights on and they're keeping, you know, the the revenues and, and the care of the patients, of course, which is frontline. And so to make sure that you appreciate that burnout is not just a function of taking the call, but it's also a function of losing autonomy, a function of the amount of call, a function of, you know, all of these other factors that you touched upon. I think I think that's critical. And I really hope that in the future, as we start to recognize this kind of high level of burnout after the COVID-19 pandemic, we, we are moving towards that. Now, you know, we talked a lot about prioritizing our patient's care and how medical emergencies don't follow schedules. But I want to talk a little bit about the administrative burden on physicians and how, you know, that, for example, is not an emergency for the most part, like doing your, your charting, your billing, answering your in-basket messages, which are non-urgent questions from patients, uh, you know, doing a lot of your email work. And yet when you're away on vacation, there's a pile of work waiting for you when you come back as a physician. And sometimes I actually honestly feel like truly taking time off is more onerous for me. Like if I don't open my computer for two days and the work just builds up, the administrative work, the answering patient questions over email, those types of things, it's almost worse because then I come back and I have my regular work plus all the work that I missed. So I sort of got in the habit of even when I have time off of every day, you know, working on my computer, doing administrative type work for two or three hours. And I recognize how unhealthy that is, because again, you don't really get that time away. You don't get a chance to unplug and recharge. But how do you think we can address that type of a problem? Or, you know, I'm curious what you do 
with your administrative work when you're away on vacation? Um, I wish I had a perfect answer for you, but this need for constant connectivity, I think underscores the interconnectedness of us with the medical community and our patients. And it is a commitment that we want to provide the best possible care. But I, I also think that you're right. Uh, I mean, practically, I open my computer um, once a day and, and I have to clear out my inbox. Um, right. I, I haven't found a, a good way of doing it. Um, you know, if you're in a larger group, for example, my, my wife is a primary care provider. And uh, when she's away, there's um, people, her partners do go through her inbox and, and help clear. Um, I think, you know, being um, honest and open with your patients to be able to provide them with urgent care as needed is one thing, but also being honest with them and saying, hey, listen, I'm going to take some time off unless this is an emergency, uh, then let's deal with it when when I get back. I think at the, at the end of the day, our, our patients um, trust us. Our patients want to be heard and want to make sure that we're listening to them. You know, I don't think electronic inbox messages are the best ways to do that. And it just, I feel a little bit of coaching um, and uh, uh, helping the patients understand that we're not abandoning them. We're not leaving them. We're just taking some time off. I think a lot of um, people do understand that uh, the medical community is stressed, especially coming out of the pandemic. Um, and, and they do understand that you know, for better or worse, we need time off too. And those refills may have to be obtained through a different avenue. You know, I think modern medicine, Omid, has changed so much because I think back, you know, to the 90s when I used to go to my pediatrician or whatever, you, the kind of only interaction that you had with your doctor was during your 10-minute visit. You know, that was your time to ask questions. That was your time to get your refills. You had to, you had to call into the office if you needed something. And of course, as you pointed out, the connectivity has certainly facilitated the care of patients and, and medicine, but somehow it seems like the physicians haven't been given additional support resources with that additional connectivity. Because now you can email your doctor directly, you can email refill requests directly, the pharmacy can send back directly. You know, all of it has become so that people can reach the physician more readily. But how does that physician then manage kind of this barrage of incoming messages from all these different sources, the pharmacies, you know, the patients, the, the insurance companies, the billing companies, the, the medical record companies, other doctor's offices, it's all become so connected without necessarily, you know, keeping up with providing the physician more resources. And I, it makes me think about that, you know, that I Love Lucy episode. Uh, I don't know if you ever saw it, but she was uh, working at a chocolate factory. Um, and she mm -hmm. was going to be wrapping chocolates um, and the chocolates are going by on this little conveyor belt and she's wrapping him and she's wrapping him. And then all of a sudden, like after five minutes into the job, the guy at the back speeds up the conveyor belt a little bit. And so that now she's wrapping him a little faster and the quality of the wrapping goes down a little bit. And yeah. then he speeds it up a little <laughs> more exactly. and then she starts like stuffing him into her like shirt. I know. Her hat. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Because she can't keep up. And and that's yeah. kind of how I sometimes feel like as a physician, because I feel like it was much more manageable when people could only reach you one way. But now that there's this constant barrage of stuff, how does the modern healthcare system make it so that you're not stuffing chocolates everywhere, but you're actually doing a good job of taking care of each of those patients? 
Yeah, you know, I think in in this era of technology where, you know, this remote connectivity, you know, we can update patients' records, review test results, respond to these uh, to patients' inquiries promptly. Yet we feel like this enhances the efficiency of healthcare delivery, right? But and 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 helps support this informed decision making between us and the patients. But you're right because we can't do it all. And I, and I think there's a couple couple of thoughts there. You know, there's uh, advanced practice providers that are able to take on some of these responsibilities. Um, there's also uh, newer legislation allowing, for example, pharmacists more um, mm-hmm. leeway in uh, being able to renew medications and things like that. You know, just a simple fact that uh, if, for example, my father came here one time, he forgot his medications at home, but it was real easy for his pharmacy in Virginia to translate his medications to pharmacy here in Colorado and there, boom, it happened. So you're right. It, it is a bit of a conveyor belt and uh, the, that conveyor belt has sped up, but but I, my, I we just can't do it all. We have to be able to rely on either uh, electronic health records to be more efficient or reduce some of the tasks or automate some of the tasks uh, that um, we discussed in a previous AI episode. Um, we have to rely on our advanced practice providers, um, which I think brings on a whole different topic of uh, scope creep. And we can maybe right. talk about that, that on, at time. another <laughs> next time. But, but <laughs> yeah. I, I do think there's more and more demands on physicians and uh, patients uh, feel more and more connected with their physicians, but we can't compromise our health and we can't, you know, healthy physicians provide good care. And if you're not a healthy physician, whether it's a, an emotional health issue or that, you know, you haven't been able to exercise or any of that stuff to keep yourself healthy, it's a slippery slope. Well, Omid, I want to thank you for your comments and insights. This has been such an incredible discussion. And sometimes there are not a lot of answers, but I think having these kind of conversations really does raise awareness, helps us think outside the box. I love the idea of using AI and having an Alexa or Siri in my office. And and I do think we should talk in our next episode about the scope of our practice and how APPs, advanced practice providers like nurse practitioners and PAs, how their role has evolved over time in medicine. But one thing I know for sure, the medicine today is not the same medicine it was five or 10 years ago. And I I certainly know that it's not going to be the same medicine that we practice in five or 10 years. So thank you again for joining me today. And to our audience, we hope you'll write in with questions, comments, reactions, Uh, If you're a physician, please tell us about how you're spending your holidays and and what strategies you use. And and if you're a patient, please tell us how you view the role of a physician being out of office and how that might impact your perception or how you think about the physician if they tell you that they're going to be out of office. And, And please be sure to subscribe and follow us on Google, Apple, or Spotify podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like what you hear, please do review us. Thanks again. Happy holidays to you and your families. And we'll see you again next year. This podcast is sponsored by Zolifast. New data from 96,000 real-world patients show advanced arrhythmia discrimination technology was associated with a significant reduction in false alarms. See how these results may improve your patient's experience at lifevesttechnology.com.